Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Utopia Podcast, formerly known as Nonprofit U. Our podcast is an extension of our community and we provide a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm the founder of Nonprofit Utopia, the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. You can find out more about us on nonprofitutopia.com, Facebook, and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often. And today we're going to be using the hashtags Nonprofit Utopia, Benefit Chicago, and Corporate Shared Value. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Nonprofit Utopia. The chat room is open and you can post comments and questions. In order to use the chat room, you must open a listener-only account. You'll find a link to open the account on the page for this episode right underneath the chat box. And you can also email me questions at ValerieFLeonard at NonprofitUtopia.com. Now, obviously, if you email me at NonprofitUtopia.com during this podcast, I won't be able to speak with you, but I promise you, if you email me, I will answer you just as soon as I can. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 30-minute mark or so. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. We encourage you to sign up for our mailing list. Keep abreast of the latest developments with the Nonprofit Utopia community. We've included a link to our mailing list in the comment section of this episode. And just so you know, today we're going to be talking to Dr. William with Benefit Chicago. Benefit Chicago is mobilizing a $100 million in impact investment to finance the growth of impact enterprises throughout Chicagoland to, one, build youth, I'm sorry, build wealth in or for communities, two, create jobs that are accessible to community residents, and three, to enhance job readiness and skills for those seeking to find, maintain, and advance in employment. So clearly they have their work cut out for them. We'll talk about impact investing and social enterprise. We'll also discuss Michael Porter's shared corporate value strategy. This is a concept that allows companies to create sustainable business models that enhance their competitiveness while simultaneously doing good in their communities. We'll wrap up by sharing lessons learned and benefit Chicago's case studies highlighting successful use shared value concepts to drive sustainable business and community impact. As I indicated before, today's guest is William W. Towns, Ph.D., Dr. Towns is a scholar, activist, and practitioner dedicated to helping solve civic and urban issues at the structural level. He is the executive director of Benefit Chicago, an adjunct lecturer of social impact at the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. Benefit Chicago is mobilizing $100 million in impact investments 
targeting the social enterprise sector in the Chicago region. He came to benefit Chicago from the University of Chicago, where he was an assistant vice president and led the Office of Civic Engagement's anchor strategy, which looked to understand how a university could support equitable economic change. Dr. Towns serves on numerous boards healthcare, banking, and education sectors, including the Chicago Community Land Trust Board, the Advisory Council on Agriculture, Small Business and Labor for the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, and Chicago Innovation. He's a frequent speaker on topics ranging from impact investing, corporate and social innovation, women in the workplace, and civic engagement. Dr. Towns received a BA from Loyola University, Chicago, an MBA from the University of Notre Dame, and a PhD from Benedictine University. So clearly, you are an expert, Dr. Towns. So thank you so much for being with us today. Glad to be here. Okay, we really appreciate it. But before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about Benefit Chicago, its collaborators? and how it got started. Uh, sure. First of all, I just want to thank you, Valerie, for one, uh, putting this type of platform together that allows uh, people like myself to get the information out there. We know that there are plenty of nonprofits across the country, not only here in Chicago, uh, that are looking for ways to find capital and find strategies that allow them to meet their goals. So I thank you for providing a platform for me to be here today. Um, I'd also say it's just great to be back at the University of Chicago. I haven't been back here in a while. And so when I found out this was the location from where we were, uh, will be broadcasting, it just brought back a lot of great memories. And so, uh, again, I, I appreciate that. Um, uh, to put it simply, um, you know, Benefit Chicago was created uh, in an effort to try to solve what is relatively a simple problem. We were seeing many of our nonprofit organizations, we were seeing many of our uh, small businesses within our communities, particularly here in Chicago on the south and west sides, um, that had the sort of business uh, ingenuity and creativity. Uh, they had the leadership teams. They had the know-how. They lacked the capital uh, to move their business forward. And so Benefit Chicago came together to figure out how we can provide uh, patient, flexible, risk-tolerant capital uh, to those businesses. Uh, the question was, where do we get the capital from, <laughs> right? That's usually the first to the topic. And so in, in our early stages, we conducted some research and found out that actually citizens within the city were looking for ways to put capital into businesses in their neighborhoods, but didn't have a clear sort of path and sort of how to do that. How do they select the businesses? How do they ensure that the capital is being used properly? How do they make sure they get their money back? You know, those sorts of things. And so Benefit Chicago was really uh, created to be the conduit or bridge between those businesses in our communities that are looking for money uh, and those individuals interested in supporting those businesses within their city. Okay, awesome. So I can remember a couple of years ago, you know, a while back when Daniel Ash, who's now the Associate Vice President for Social Impact for Chicago Community Trust, he indicated that small investors can make investments and earmark their investments to cities of that of their choice. Is that option still available today? And if so, how does that work? Yes, yeah, so, so that's that's still available today, and that's that's absolutely correct. And that's one of the sort of secret sauces uh, that we have with with Benefit Chicago. 
So the collaboration is between the MacArthur Foundation, again, a, a large foundation with a long history of impact investing, the Chicago Community Trust, again, another 100-plus-year-old institution that really sort of understands and works on the ground here in the city, and then the third is Calvert Impact Capital. And Calvert Impact Capital really is the mechanism that allows individuals to invest in the funds in the cities where they'd like to put the capital. Uh, and so if you're here in Chicago, right, and we're trying to, or anywhere in the, in the United States, and you're trying to think about how you can support activities in Chicago, to the Calvert website, if not the Benefit Chicago website. And there you can buy what they call a community note. Uh, these notes can be purchased with as little as $20. Uh, as a part of that purchase, you have a, I call it a plethora of options on where you could invest those dollars. And one of those is Chicago through the Benefit Chicago Fund. Uh, and so we, we are really sort of pioneering this in sort of a large sense of raising $100 million. But there are states and cities across the country, Baltimore, Sacramento, and others, who also have similar funds set up. And so if you care or are concerned about those communities and you live in those neighborhoods, I would encourage you to go to the Calvert Impact Capital website where you can make your investment and select the, the cities uh, where you'd like to see that capital flow. Okay, great. And thank you for that. And before we get into the heart of our discussion, I just want to take the time to lay the foundation for our listening audience so we're all on the same page. Can you share with us what you mean by social enterprise or impact enterprise? And are the two terms interchangeable, or is there a subtle difference between the two? Yeah. So, so this is the challenge whenever you're dealing with uh, what we call sort of phenomenon. Or, or an emerging uh, sort of market. And, and so there are uh, varying definitions of what's a social investment, what's an impact investment, and so forth. Um, we try to keep it uh, fairly simple. Uh, we believe uh, these uh, things are interchangeable. And basically what it means, it's an organization that is looking to drive both profits and social impact, so that they're solving some societal problem along with making some kind of revenue and profits when they drive that. Uh, so this shouldn't be a business that's looking for a, a donation that they're just trying to break even, uh, nor is it a business that's just purely profit-driven. But they sort of walk that line of saying, we believe we can solve a societal problem and create a profit at the same time. Okay, awesome. So do they need to have a certain legal structure in order to be considered a social enterprise? Uh, not at all. Uh, in fact, there are some designations, L3Cs and others, that allow you to sort of be a for-profit charitable organization, <laughs> if that's a, a thing. Um, but uh, for the most part, it really is what's the, the intent and strategy uh, behind the business. Uh, and what excites me is that I believe this is the way that we are going to truly be able to solve some of our societal problems, that they cannot be put solely on the backs of our nonprofit organizations and foundations, but you need for-profit ingenuity, innovation, and thought, and for-profit capital uh, to solve some of our greatest uh, societal problems and concerns. Okay, awesome. So I want to remind you that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with Dr. William Towns. Dr. Towns is the Executive Director of Benefit Chicago, an adjunct lecturer of social impact at the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. We'll be taking questions about the 30-minute mark, and our call-in number is 347-884-8121, 
And if you have any um, questions and you have access to our chat room, you can actually start posting now, and we will make sure that we read those questions off, you know, while we're here on the air. Now, we have also noticed that our international audience is growing, and we would love to have our podcast guests to reflect the views from around the world. So if you're listening from a country other than the United States, and you know of heads of NGOs that we should consider having on the show, please contact us at info at nonprofitutopia.com. So, Dr. Towns, um, back to you. What exactly is impact investing, at least from your perspective at Benefit Chicago? Um, so, uh, again, like most of the stuff within this space, uh, things are nuanced and tricky, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I usually state is that there is no investment that does not have an impact, right? So it, it's either you're investing blindly and just don't realize the impact that it's having, or you're aware. Uh, and so impact investing, I think, is trying to just lift the awareness of where your dollars and investments are, are going, and then what are those dollars doing once they're accumulated by whatever corporation or organization that, that's using it. Uh, and so I, I'll just state that uh, present. An impact investment uh, again, is as the definition is, trying to seek the balance between profit-driven motives and societal challenges, or what I would refer to as societal opportunities, right? And that uh, at its purest form, uh, we believe you can do this without sacrificing either. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you, by investing in a social enterprise, you're giving up potential profits, uh, and we would say at the same time, you can drive profits while not giving up a societal impact. Mm-hmm. And there are varying scales uh, on that impact or profit range mm-hmm. that you can go to. Some are more profit driven and less societal some are more societal benefits and less um, uh, profit driven. But we believe uh, that understanding what that balance is and just being conscious of that as we make our decisions, uh, we think that that is, is ultimately the best way to go. And I think towards the future, Uh, we will just be talking plainly about investments because the impact DNA will be built into our decision-making. That's right. So you recently wrote an article, Sustainable Business in an Unsustainable World, Three Companies that Show the Impact of Corporate Shared Value for the Next Billion, an initiative of the William Davidson Institute at the University of Michigan. And I know that that's a mouthful. But in that article, and I do have a link to it in our comment section, you wrote that in today's world, companies are being measured by more than profit. Communities, customers, and employees are holding businesses to a higher standard and and forcing them to recognize that sustainable is driven by an underlying purpose. You also indicated that one of the best ways to respond to this shifting mentality is by applying concepts like Harvard Business Professor Michael Porter's corporate shared value. Can you tell us more about the concept of corporate shared value? And this is not to be confused with core values of an organization. Yeah, sure. It's an interesting uh, but powerful concept, right, and simple and sort of in its application. Um, What uh, Michael Porter is saying is that oftentimes when we see corporations get into what they would call their corporate social responsibility activities, Mm -hmm. they often partial that off 
to a separate section or organization. So we know many banks have a for-profit bank that drives, and then they have a foundation that sets up to do some of the corporate social responsibility work. Um, they all do great work, and they, they contribute back to their community in various ways and support nonprofit organizations and community development and so forth. But what Michael Porter is saying, when you do that, you're limiting the impact that that foundation can have to the foundation's budget itself and not taking advantage of the full breadth and power that the firm has as a large institution. And that can go for a number of organizations, not just the banks, but we see many corporations set up these separate foundations. And so what, what Michael Porter is saying, and what I believe and teach, is that the corporation itself, with using the full might of the organization, looking at the time, talent, and treasure that it has, and a particular societal problem that it could look at, that by leveraging its research and development and that capacity, uh, you have room for greater impact that uh, what I believe creates a strong competitive advantage in the marketplace. And that will drive not only uh, brand loyalty uh, and profits, but really sort of solve uh, the societal problems in many of our communities today. Okay, great. And for those of you who have not yet called in, you can feel free to post in our chat room. And our call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. And I want to remind you that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopian Podcast, and we're speaking with Dr. William Towns, Executive Director of Benefit Chicago, an adjunct lecturer of social impact at the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. So in about 13 minutes or so, we'll be taking questions. So feel free, you know, if something is, um, you know, bubbling up in your mind now, feel free to post. So Dr. Towns, you just shared your list of local social enterprises that exemplify corporate shared value. So when I dig a little bit deeper and have you share some case studies, starting with Sweet Beginnings, based in North Lawndale on Chicago's west side. Can you tell us a little bit about them and tell us which specific corporate shared value concepts they're using in their business model? Well, this is great. And I know you're very aware of North mm -hmm. Lawndale uh, yeah. through your history and, and sort of yeah. impact and, and leadership in that, that community. Um, you know, Sweet Beginnings, I, I think, is a, a very unique business, right? Mm -hmm where uh, the, the executive director or president, uh, Brenda Ponce-Bomber, who, who runs that organization, who, in my opinion, is, is really brilliant yeah. at solving uh, these challenging problems. Um, you know, this comes from years of trying to address uh, uh, challenges within that community, right, mm -hmm. where you have a lot of potential uh, recidivism mm -hmm. uh, and those sorts of things, and how do we sort of create opportunities to get a fresh start, right, to mm -hmm. sort of begin again? And so, you know, Brenda, in all of her uh, sort of research uh, and due diligence in trying to find a sort of for-profit solution and a business model that she believes can address the challenges that, that she's meeting, uh, came up with Sweet Beginnings, which is, again, this notion that people can have a fresh start or a sweet start. Um, and so they have live honeybees and, and hives and things right in North Lawndale, and it created a business that initially started off with just harvesting the raw honey 
uh, for teas and things, but has expanded into really more of a beauty and luxury line around soaps and lotions and skincare products and those sorts of things, which is really uh, sort of phenomenal. Uh, and as Brenda would tell it, you know, you have to go through a lot of ideas before you land on honeybees <laughs> in Chicago, right? I mean, just to think about the plans and iterations you had to go to to arrive and say, I got it, we're going to get some honeybees. Um, but it has been incredibly uh, uh, powerful, right, uh, and really sort of turning around the lives and giving these young men and women opportunities to uh, update their resumes and get certifications and those sorts of things that allow to put them on a path, um, you know, for full and gainful employment, a path to turning their lives around, reengaging their families and children, reengaging the community, uh, and really, in, in a big sense, being an example of how you can turn uh, a, a bad mistake around uh, and really make it uh, a positive one. So that, that has been uh, fantastic. So Brenda um, really has started this business. The business has been around for a number of years, 10 plus years or so. Uh, and as she was trying to really sort of expand the, sort of her next set of ideas, uh, went out like most entrepreneurs do and start talking with banks and lenders and organizations on ways to get the capital to buy into this vision that she has laid out. Uh, and uh, like many of our businesses in our community, there's a lot of nodding and yesing while you're talking. And then, you know, when it's time to sort of get the loan, uh, something turns out wrong, right? Yes. And so she continued to sort of drive and do that. This is around the same time we started to announce Minnesota Chicago. And so when we made our announcement, she was like, aha, I think I finally found an institution or an investment uh, vehicle that understands what we're trying to do. And so we were fortunate she applied. Uh, we worked through the process and was able to make an investment in her business that really, I think, helped sort of set her up to expand her online sales, uh, look at new distribution channels, and really sort of put her business up on a pedestal. The capital is important, and I think this is important to stress here. The capital that we give and the investment is important, but it may not be as important as the confidence we give in our business leaders, right? The fact that someone believes in their story to a point that we're putting some money behind it. There's a lot of people saying, yes, and this is great. You go, girl, sort of all of that. But we're going to put some capital behind you. That is really earth-changing because what tends to happen in our communities, as we continue to say no, as we continue to get doors shut, emails not replied, phone calls not returned, we begin to believe it's us. Right, mm -hmm. we must be doing something wrong. Right. It must be because they. It must be because I'm an African American. It must be because I'm a female. It must be that I got the wrong business line. And what we're saying is, no, that is not the case. We actually believe in your vision, uh, your heart, mind, uh, and commitment, and we want to back that with capital and other supports, promotion, and otherwise, to ensure that individuals uh, can learn. Since then. Uh, you know, shortly after that, uh, I'll take credit for this, although I can't fully. Mm -hmm. uh, Alicia Keys finds out about Sweet Beginnings, oh, wow. puts it in People Magazine and says this is a great Valentine's Day gift to a business that's given back. Uh, she starts to get invited around the country to other sort of platforms and things. And again, I can't take the credit fully for that. My investment has sort of lifted her up in this platform. Unfortunately, money follows money. Right. right, until you get started, which is the hard <laughs> part, 
it's hard to get the others to follow through. And so with Brenda, we were able to make a, what I say, relatively small investment that's been very impactful that continues to see her thrive and grow. And I'm just excited um, to see what her next chapter is going to be and looking forward to hearing more stories about the growth and impact that she's having. That's awesome. And you know what? I just want to say thank you. You're one of those few people, I, I think, who can operate in the ivory tower and really relate to people at the grassroots level. Not everybody can do that. That's the gift. And I just say thank you for it. We're going to cut off just a little bit. I, I see that we have about three questions in our chat room. And no, these questions are not from Valerie. Um, we, we have a couple people who are actually using a nonprofit Utopia account to post. So they had some questions. But I also see that we have a caller. And if the caller is who is, you know, there may be some, some opportunity for some good dialogue between the two of you. And I think that's worth getting started with our Q&A just a little sooner than we normally do. So, caller, you're at 630-450-1993. Are you there? Can you hear us? Hi, Valerie. This is Shelby. How are you? Oh, great. I thought that was you, Shelby. I just didn't want to go out there on a limb. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know me, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) Okay, so, Shelby, can you... Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then if there's a question or a comment, you can share that with Dr. Town. Sure. Well, Will, uh, Will and I met back in my sunshine days, and I, I think we run into each other. Well, we do run into each other in some meetings around the city of Chicago. So, uh, Will, uh, thanks for uh, sharing some tidbits with the audience today. I really appreciate that. Um, uh, my my main work, and as Will was talking about more the social enterprise stuff, I worked in the nonprofit world for quite some time at Sunshine Enterprises, developing out their um, entrepreneurship training program. Left Sunshine, and I actually started a for-profit business that uh, because I told people I do for-profit a whole lot better than I do nonprofit, and that but we still work with uh, social impact, and uh, my business is in urban strategies. And so we have really focused on uh, not only helping small businesses, but working with nonprofit organizations to help them increase their capacity, curriculum development, and uh, funding strategies to help serve our, that help serve the uh, communities around Chicago a lot better. Uh, one of the things that we're working on too, we're working with uh, Summercore in the Department of Planning and Development, and we're helping people uh, get access to capital for their NOF uh, grants. And um, so that's one of the, I think, one of the biggest things that we have, I think the city now is running into, and that we, the challenges we've taken on is how do we help some of these recipients actually close the deals and the projects for the grants that they've been awarded. And the I think the biggest issue that they're running into now is access to capital. So, Will, I, I know Benefit Chicago does uh, has this uh, component where they're investing in lending uh, to, to to businesses. But uh, is there anything that you guys have in the work to assist uh, the NOF recipients? So, so that is a great question. It's always good uh, to hear your voice. Uh, so I know I'm in good company. 
uh, whenever I hear your voice around. So that, that's Thank always you. great. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, Chicago is a, a big city uh, with, with a small amount of people. <laughs> you know, so it's good. It's good. Same circles. Um, I think for, first of all, I think it, it's phenomenal the work that you're doing. I think this shows uh, that the solutions from both nonprofit angle or for-profit angle and still get at the same core problem. Uh, so I think that that's uh, fantastic, and we need more for-profit solutions to go along with the great work that our nonprofits are doing. So I congratulate you uh, on taking that leap and doing that. Um, I have a bit of a disclosure. I think I need to, to disclaim here, uh, and that is I'm on the board of Summer Corps. Uh, so uh, when you start talking about the work that Manny Flores, the president there, is doing around the NOF funds and things, uh, we're really trying to work hard as well. Uh, to solve those those problems. I just want to make that disclaimer as, as we go forward. Um, Benefit Chicago itself, as it relates to this, um, has participated in a few uh, NOF projects uh, through our investments through intermediaries. So not only do we do direct investments in businesses, but we invest in intermediaries, which are our community development, financial institutions, or other lenders. Um, we have a criteria that says the minimum amount of investment we'll make directly is $500,000. or shouldn't get that much capital at the stage that they're in. And so we work with uh, CRF and IFF and CCLF, all these sort of acronyms, Chicago Community Loan Fund. IFF is just IFF these days. uh, And the Community Reinvestment Fund and provide them with the capital to loan to those smaller businesses at those smaller amounts. Um, those organizations are also incredibly impactful, uh, like our Summer Corps, at providing some of the technical assistance and things that's needed to go along with the capital to help those businesses get the applications in, understand the loan terms. Uh, many of them who are entering into business, some of them for the first time, may not understand construction lending and those sorts of things. So those partners that we work with are incredibly important at helping a lot of those NOF funds go forward. Uh, I'm excited about the program and looking forward to working with uh, the Mayor Lightfoot and her administration on looking for ways that we can improve that process to get more capital into the hands of our small businesses across the state. Awesome. Great. Okay, Shelby, did you have another comment before we move on to another question? No, no, I'll uh, let someone else jump in now. I don't. I don't want to haul all the time. <laughs> Thanks, Will. That was a, that was a great answer. And I will say that uh, my organization actually is one of the uh, technical assistance providers on the, lo- the lending side, one of the lending coaches. And um, and we do uh, do appreciate that the fact that there are a lot of uh, smaller, a lot of organizations that are making the loans to the smaller businesses, and we're hoping to help make that impact because we think it's a great program as well. Okay, great. Thank you again. You, you know I'm going to be calling you next to be a, <laughs> to be a guest on the show again. <laughs> All right. All right, great. Thank you. All right, so I just want to go over at least one of these questions in the chat room. Uh, it says, hello, my name is Pat L., I'm hoping to learn a lot from today's show. Okay, so that person was just acknowledging that uh, he or she was grateful to to be here. And the next question 
is does the Calvert Impact Capital website match investors with people wanting to start businesses? So that is a very good question. Uh, and the answer to that is not directly, okay. right? The way that uh, the Calvert Impact site is set up is we reached out to Calvert, being Benefit Chicago, and said, hey, we'd like to put together a fund that will allow individual investors to invest. Um, this investment side, I think, is just as critical as the lending side that gets to the small businesses, right? Oftentimes in our communities, as development is happening, we're watching things happen, right? Or things are happening to us. When oftentimes the hand that we need is at the end of our own arm, right? Mm -hmm. That we need to sort of reach into our own pockets and be able to put some money in to do some of these investments. And with the flexibility that Calvert has put together, making the investment uh, minimum $20, it's really a powerful tool that, as you can imagine, you're walking down any community USA urban area and be able to say to your partner, child, daughter, wife, we're helping to bring this grocery store in with our, our dollars. We're able, we're helping to bring in the child care center. Like just that feeling that you've been able to make an investment that you could sort of physically see happening within your community in your city is a powerful tool, right? And, and I think that's what Calvert really is allowing to happen, but you need an on-the-ground vehicle for that to sort of go through. It isn't just this uh, uh, matchmaking that's happening. They really are the vehicle of once there's an organization on the ground trying to do some investments, they can help uh, expedite that capital flow uh, by working with those organizations. Okay, great. And before you and I get back into our conversation, I see that we have another caller. This caller may or may not have a question for you. I'm going to check. Um, caller at 312-414-5021. I'm going to make your mic live. If you have a question or comment, please share. And um, your, your mic is live right now. Do you have a question or comment? Yes, I do. Good afternoon, Valerie. Good afternoon, Dr. Towns. My name is Leslie Page Parker. So glad you all are doing this presentation and sharing information about your organization, Dr. Towns. Thank you very much. Yes, I do have a question. Uh, is okay. there a focus of industries that you're um, uh, selecting or have evaluated that you most likely want to uh, lend to? Particularly yeah, jobs and questions. Excellent question, um, which is sort of how are we selecting or, or do we have a criteria for the industries and businesses that we're investing in? Um, yes, there's a focus of a particular, particular line. Yeah. What we're looking to invest in, we're looking for organizations that are creating jobs. We're looking for okay. our, to create and build wealth of the small business owner. Uh, and we're okay. looking to create opportunities uh, around the workforce development space. How do we get people jobs? How do we get them to maintain jobs? And how do we get them mm -hmm. to sort of move up within their organizations or, or opportunities? Um, that said, you can imagine there's a variety of things that come up uh, that we often say, eh, you know, we're not interested in investing in that, right? So someone might say, I got a great job opportunity. We're going to open up payday lending stores. And it, it's okay. going to be a great employer. We're going to hire, you know, multiple people. You know, so we do get some of those types of things that don't okay. fit sort of the intent of what we're trying mm -hmm. to do. 
you know, you can imagine uh, gun range stores and these sorts of things that people <laughs> yeah. have ideas about and looking for capital. Uh, be it that mm-hmm. those are all legitimate businesses that can be open, it doesn't look right. the investment principles uh, that we have to sort of do things. But if you're really looking to drive job uh, growth uh, of communities and of individuals who have uh, challenges in finding employment, uh, we believe that small businesses are the key to any city. So if you're a small business yes. that's looking to grow and expand, uh, we're looking to, to provide you with the capital and things that you need in order to do that. Uh, and then lastly, around the workforce, education, training space, uh, we're trying to do that as well, knowing mm-hmm. um, a lot of those programs are important as people need to retool or readjust their skills. And in some cases, you find all of that in one business, right? I mean, you look at Sweet Beginnings, again, to go back to that as an example, uh, they're taking yeah. individuals, retraining them, getting them a job and working, and that's the kind of progress that we're trying to enforce uh, and invest in. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate your answer. Yes, and thank you very much again for your question. We only have a few more minutes, and I want to get as many questions into that pull some of the questions from the chat room. So, Leslie, thank you for calling. I'm going to mute your mic right now, and then we'll... Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you both. Moving. Thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Great, great question. Okay, so let's now talk about NowPal. Am I pronouncing that right? Mm-hmm. NowPal? Okay. And they're based in Chicago in the Hyde Park community on the south side, for those of you who are not familiar what are some of the corporate share value strategies they're using? So, so NowPow is a, a, a great organization that's actually just around the corner from where we're currently broadcasting, which is great. Um, NowPow stands for Knowledge is Power. Uh, this is uh, based on some research that was conducted uh, by uh, Dr. Stacy Lindau and Rachel Kohler, who are the founding partners uh, of the organization. Um, what they found is that individuals who go to see the doctor, and the doctor gives them a prescription and says, well, um, you know, you feel healthier and you do this. And, and so it's not a prescription, right, per se, but it's a life prescription, right? It's not to go pick up the medicine, but it's a life prescription. That individuals would take that information and say, that's great, and then go back to doing their sort of old habits. What has done is looked at each of these individual areas where they work and have mapped out where all the amenities and resources are in the communities where these patients live. And so not only now is the doctor saying you need to get some uh, vegetables and some exercise, as a part of the application, this is an online sort of uh, app that is created, it nudges you to make the right decision. So it's not only, hey, you need to eat healthier and exercise, it's telling you where the exercise is within your community, it's telling you where you can get uh, vegetables, where your podiatrist is, where sort of these things are located. And then it's saying days later, you haven't gone, right? It's nudging you to say, well, hold on, you didn't check in at the health club, you know, please, you know, update that and take care of that. You didn't visit uh, the grocery store where you needed to go. And so it's creating these sort of really good habits uh, that individuals have. And we know uh, when we have knowledge that we have power. And often we think that these amenities aren't in a lot of our neighborhoods, but they're relatively close by. And so this information is used to really sort of encourage healthy choices and options. 
It helps the doctor better track what's going on because uh, I think we've all done this. The doctor says, hey, did you do your exercise? <laughs> oh, yeah, I did the exercises. And the doctor's looking at the scale wondering what's going on. Like, how are you doing all this exercise and eating salad? Uh, and you're a little heavier than you were uh, the last time. And so this, again, this relationship between getting people to know what's in their communities, uh, this also supports those local businesses indirectly, right, that it's getting people to find these businesses and get into them. Uh, it's creating better habits for the, the patient. And it's giving a better tracking mechanism to really sort of see how people really live, right? We like to believe someone can write something down, hand it to us, and we do it. Uh, but this is sort of extending that notion. And the fact that the doctor would know whether you went or not is encouragement enough to get people to sort of move forward. Um, and, and I think that that's a, it's an excellent company. It's a woman-owned and run company, which is, again, important. Uh, 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 characteristic we're trying to enforce and invest in, and just happy again to be a part a part of that. The one thing I will say is that now uh, now Pal gets this localized data that they use uh, partially from another organization called Maps Corps, which takes local high school and college students here in the city and map out all of the amenities by walking these blocks. And so we get a bunch of college and high school students doing research projects over the summers. Uh, and I think they're now up to 60 plus neighborhoods uh, in Chicago. And they're getting real time, real data, walking into the businesses, talking with the store owners and employees, finding out the hours, how they're open and so forth. So they have some of the richest data that you can find on our communities and the amenities that are embedded in them. And so this turns out it's great for NAPAL. It's a phenomenal research opportunity for our high school students, many taking them from their neighborhoods and getting them into new neighborhoods okay. so they get to sort of learn what the city is doing. And all this information is going towards helping uh, to make a healthier uh, Chicago. All right. I love it. I love it. All right. So I want to remind you that you're listening to the nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with Dr. William Towns. Dr. Towns is the executive director of Benefit Chicago an adjunct lecturer of social impact at the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. And we're taking questions right now. You can either post in our chat room or you can call in. And And before we go back into our discussion, I just want to tell you a little bit about Nonprofit Utopia. We're the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. Our mission is to provide ongoing professional development and networking opportunities in which experienced nonprofit professionals can share expertise with the next generation of ethical leaders. The overarching goal of the community is to give our members the tools they need to develop strong organizations that will make a lasting impact. And this includes online courses, webinars, meetups, podcasts such as this, and other special events. If you want to learn more, visit nonprofitutopia.com, and you can literally join us at nonprofitutopia.mn.co. So, Dr. Towns, um, what about DL3 Realty? How are they using some of the corporate shared value strategies? So, so DL3 Realty, uh, again, what, what I like about uh, the, the businesses you selected, there are sort of three distinct businesses and approaches uh, to not only corporate shared value, but to just enterprise impact and, and changing our community. So DL3 Realty uh, is led by a gentleman named Leon Walker, uh, who 
uh, runs the real estate development uh, arms of DL3. Uh, they became uh, sort of known as really sort of solving uh, challenging problems within communities and really doing it from the ground up, right? So they look at uh, what they would call adventure development model, which is really sort of looking at a community, finding out its assets, and then working with the community to participate, which again is this sort of shared value, uh, in the development of solutions to those problems. So here in Chicago, uh, in the Inglewood community, uh, Mr. Walker developed what is called Inglewood Square, the Starbucks and Chipotle. Uh, and prior to that, there probably wasn't a new grocery store in Inglewood in many years, right? But so it's not just the typical sort of development model where you come in, acquire some land, uh, get some city subsidies, build the building and sort of walk out. He really from the ground up included the community in the process. And by that we mean one, uh, within the Whole Foods, there was roughly about 40 local vendors that wow. had their foods on the shelves, wow. right? Uh, and, and so that continued. Now, some will argue, well, are they still on the shelves now, years later or not, and what's going on? My argument is they were there. <laughs> and just sort of getting right. them started is a hurdle we haven't seen done before. Uh, many of those have expanded to go on nationally within the Whole Foods market. Uh, many of those are still local there and expanded to just locally here in the Chicago region. So, again, that sort of connection of being thoughtful about what we're doing. This is also what we believe one of the first projects that was completely developed. The attorney, the construction contractor, wow. the, the general counsel, just everybody who was sort of involved uh, was a person of color from soup to nuts, developer, contractor, suppliers, those wow. sorts of things. And so that's really a powerful sort of tool. But what, what's interesting in this development is that despite having Whole Foods, despite having Starbucks and Chipotle, which are these sort of big national brands, mm -hmm. he still couldn't raise the money necessary to get the project off the ground. Wow. And so he had to go to crowdfunding wow. to sort of get that deal done. Uh, went to the public and raised an additional amount of money and got the project done. Uh, so he followed that up uh, as if that wasn't enough uh, of a hurdle to clear uh, and built the Jewel Osco uh, in Woodlawn, which, again, is not far from where we're at now. Uh, Woodlawn had not had a grocery store in more than 40 years uh, within its community where you can get, again, the fresh vegetables, those sorts of things, the chicken, those things that we need, uh, fish and things to, to be sustainable. Uh, and that then again sort of said, okay, how can we do more than just build the store itself? Uh, on the 63rd Street where this uh, property is located, uh, the Preservation for Affordable Housing has several uh, community housing projects there. So, again, Leon worked with Pola, who was a part of this development, and they hired roughly about 250 people from that adjacent neighborhood, adjacent block, that now can walk to work. They're, they're less than two-minute walk wow. right to their office. And so, again, this is not just about the bricks and mortar. Uh, this is about how do you include and leverage these opportunities uh, to create impact. So once we saw uh, that uh, Mr. Walker was doing these types of developments kind of way, it was easy for us to figure out how can we provide him with an investment and some capital so that it doesn't take four years to build these things, right? We know this stuff takes a tremendous amount of time. So if we could accelerate his ability to do these kinds of projects, uh, we believe um, uh, we could be uh, extremely successful 
investment needs to work the business case, but it has a tremendous societal impact with job creation, with small business support and vendors, with uh, local marketing firms, those sorts of things. That's a part of his DNA and strategy uh, that he uses to develop this. And so we've been thoroughly excited about uh, Mr. Walker. Uh, and then just recently, uh, we had an announcement last week where he is developing one of the old abandoned targets on the south side uh, and in a partnership with Blue Cross Blue Shield, bringing 500 plus jobs uh, into the community. So again, when we see this type of activity, this is the kind of thing that we're trying to support. Uh, uh, you know, I'll call him young, he probably won't say that, but young African-American man uh, moving into the neighborhood where he's lived and really helping to redevelop uh, communities and change the perspective about what can be done uh, with a for-profit lens. It isn't all extraction. Uh, there is deposits being done here and, and opportunities for individuals uh, to participate in a way that perhaps uh, wasn't thought so clearly. That's a clear case of ABCD, asset-based community development in its purest form. I love it. Okay, so we've got 12 minutes, and we have a few more questions, um, both in the chat room and both uh, here that I want to ask you. And my question to you is, do we have a hard stop at 3 o'clock, or can you stay with us about five minutes afterwards to get through all the questions? We can keep rolling. Okay, great. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate this. We don't always get this opportunity because we heard from your resume. You, you, you stretched a, a, in a lot of different directions, so thank you. All right, so let's go to the chat room. Um, this person writes, I spoke with someone considering opening a cafe combined with a retreat center that focuses on how faith communities can leverage their impact to build peace in communities known for violence. Would Dr. Towns consider such an idea as a viable social enterprise business? So that's, that's, a, that's a, what we call a hot question, right? <laughs> ask, ask me on the air for the money. Yeah, well, send it right over. Um, but but what, I, what I would say is the concept makes sense, right? That if you, if you can provide, I don't know where this business is located. I don't know the history of the person trying to operate or run it and what their experience is in managing a business and so forth. But the notion in a good location where you can put a coffee shop that you can actually drive revenues and do business and this notion of sort of this meditation uh, and, and retreat type of space where people can come and, and, and just think and be thoughtful, um, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, but again, uh, because it is a business and we're providing a loan and we'd like the money back, um, <laughs> that we'd have to do a little more due diligence than what I could probably provide just on the question uh, being asked. But these are the kinds of things and concepts that we're trying to look for and find capital to sort of develop. Um, it's a great idea. You don't have a lot of experience, uh, but here's an organization we could send you to that can provide you some training and some you know, business operations, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. uh, we have consultancies, and you can probably find that through the Utopia mm -hmm. and find other people to sort of connect you with, that when we say no, it shouldn't be fold up your tent and go away, mm -hmm. but it's really how do we say no and then provide feedback to help it get there. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really what we try to do. We uh, often, as you can imagine, have to say no a lot. Right. right? Uh, we have a lot of businesses that come in with a lot of crazy ideas and mm -hmm. wild stuff, but who's to say those won't work? Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't I don't feel 
just because I don't like it or doesn't fit our criteria, that makes it a bad business, mm-hmm. right? What we, we know from history, right, that these things have happened. We, we know that uh, FedEx was started by a student paper that the professor failed, right? That <laughs> this idea will never work. You know, and the students who kind of put their head down, took their uh, proposal and business plan, and went to a bank and started FedEx. So we can't always we look at something and think it doesn't work that it's not viable. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we try to provide feedback from our perspective, and we may say it doesn't fit our investment profile, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't fit someone. Uh, and so we try to provide the feedback where we can. In this case, it sounds like this is a little bit what I'd be doing, <laughs> is providing a little bit of feedback, mm-hmm. some suggestions, and maybe point in some directions that you could explore to try to get the funding necessary if it was something at the end we couldn't do. Oh, okay, awesome. And for the listeners who heard Shelby Parchman, this you know, might be somewhat up his alley. And, and Shelby, I'm not trying to dump on you, but, you know, Shelby... <laughs> I, you know, I've seen Shelby in action, and he, he's worked with a lot of folks holding their hands. Um, let's see. Here's another question. Once a business receives financing from Benefit Chicago, is there any follow-up involvement or operating advice given to the selected business? So the first thing in making an investment is making sure it's a good investment. Uh, and so anything that we could do to provide guidance once we make the investment, which ensures our investors get repaid, which ensures that the social impact that they're trying to drive happens, uh, we try to do. Um, again, we are the lenders, so we tend to be a little hands-off. We don't want to give you a loan and tell you exactly what mm-hmm. to do with it. Mm-hmm. But if there are connections that can be made, uh, we help numerous businesses just through uh, not only sort of the financial capital, which is important, but there's the social capital, the networks we have, and then there's the intellectual capital, the things we may know to be able to guide and assist. And so we try to provide all three forms of, of capital in order to help these businesses be successful. And so we would definitely, uh, if a, a borrower asked, hey, we're having some trouble with this or we're trying to get this connection, uh, we'd be willing to help where we can uh, to make that connection or bridge that uh, information gap for them. Okay, great. So I think that's a perfect segue after we've listened to the different case studies, after we've listened to your in the chat room. Dr. Towns, what are some of the lessons you've learned in investing in social enterprises? I think there are many. Um, I think, one, I have a tremendous uh, respect and appreciation uh, for the entrepreneurs in our community. Right, that they, they're not all able to uh, take uh, summer off, drop out of school, <laughs> uh, tour the world and find themselves and then come back and decide to you know, borrow some money from their uncle and start a business. Um, but they are resilient. They, they are brilliant in their ingenuity and they are incredibly creative. Uh, and they understand their customers at their core. Uh, and oftentimes what I find and lessons I've learned is it's difficult to relate a business opportunity and a profit projection to a group of people that don't understand the particular niche and needs, right? And so we know um, the barbershop in our community and what that means and the revenues that those could drive. But if you don't have a lender or an investment team that purely understands that, then they miss sort of the bigger picture of what the opportunity is. 
And so, you know, the one lesson I've learned is the more diverse we can get the underwriters and the lenders who understand the varying opportunities within our communities, the better we are at assessing what real risk is in a business versus what's perceived risk. Uh, and in many cases, we know there's perceived risk just in sections of our city. You know, regardless of what the business is, it's located in this zip code, it's risky. Uh, and we know from on the ground that that's not true. You know, just the fact that many of our communities um, are lacking grocery stores and those sorts of things, when we know, as they would say, we eat, right? And, and it isn't that we don't eat. Uh, and so, you know, just making those connections there, I think, has been uh, incredibly uh, valuable for me. Uh, in the lessons learned. And the other thing I think is not all of our ideas are brilliant (laughs) at the same time, right? And so how do we work with our entrepreneurs who are coming with an incredible amount of passion uh, and dedication towards what they believe is the ideal sort of thing to do? And how do we really sort of work with them in a way to get their ideas into a spot where, one, is it workable, or two, if it really isn't, how do we sort of talk to them in a way that's not disrespectful, right? I mean, oftentimes right. people just get turned down. Right. No, it doesn't work. There's no conversation. And so we try to work with them in a way that's respectful of the energy and time that they put in. Because, again, what we think is a, a dumb idea today, uh, we know later on could be doing, because look at the stuff people are buying now. Right. Uh, you know, someone said, hey, Will, I got this idea. We're going to sell water. You know, I've been <laughs> like, what? You mean the free stuff? Like, there's no way we're going to do that. But there are ways to, through branding and other things, to create a market. uh, And we have to be able to be open enough to take those risks in individuals uh, and support some of their dreams and visions, because we know that's how um, others uh, are getting capital to come in. And we have to sort of support our community in the same way. Okay, great. I want to remind you that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast. And we're speaking with Dr. William Town, the Executive Director of Benefit Chicago and Adjunct Lecturer of Social Impact at the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. We're taking questions and comments right now as we speak. We're going to go over just a little bit because there are a few questions that we wanted to cover. So take advantage of this opportunity to call in. Our number is 347-884-8181. You don't always get this opportunity to speak with a lender who is so candid and transparent. So I I advise you strongly take advantage of this opportunity. If you can't post questions in our chat room as well. Okay, so Dr. Towns, you indicated what some of the lessons you've learned. All right. what would you recommend for nonprofits as well as entrepreneurs who want to get started in social ventures? So I think one is to really do the research and really sort of understand the business that you're going into, right? So it isn't, uh, we often have people that say, hey, I was sitting around and thinking I'd like to run a coffee shop or I'd like to do this, and so I want to come in and get a loan. And, and so that takes a lot of research. And what I, I think is often underestimated is the amount of work entrepreneurs actually do. Mm-hmm. Right? So people are getting tired of working. You know, I'm tired of working. I'm working 45 hours a week. You know, <laughs> and this is crazy. I'm going to go and do my own business because you know, right. I need less time, you know, or something like that. And we realize 
that it is a tremendous when you are in an entrepreneurial venture. I think the other thing is if you have um, uh, partners, uh, spouses, others, loved ones, uh, you have to talk with them as well. I mean, this is a full-in journey <laughs> when you jump into this. Uh, and even, uh, you know, you joke a little bit about my sort of commitments and schedule. You know, I, I have to check in with my wife, like <laughs> make sure I'm still able to get in the house, you know, periodically right. because you're gone so long. There's weekends, there's nights, there's mm-hmm. seminars you have to go to. And there's no lack in Chicago, like in other cities, places where you can get free information, yes. right? There's shows like this. There's mm-hmm. seminars going on, those sorts of things. And they don't all cost money. Right. But it takes the research to identify those opportunities, to get out and network, talk with other people. Uh, you can talk to a lender. That's great. Talk to someone who went to the lender, <laughs> right, and see what their responses are and what did they sort of feel was happening. Compare notes, right? So I should be fairly consistent. When I talk to one person versus the other, and oftentimes you find out that may not be the case with with other individuals. And so get out, network, uh, make yourself present, and explore, and then I think also be open to pivot, that Mm -hmm. we we can't come in solid with our idea and say, I'm not budging, this is the only thing that I'm going for. And you continue to say no, or people adjust, and have you thought Mm -hmm. about this? You say, well, no, that's not what I want to do, here's what I want to do. So I think you have to be be good there. And then lastly, what I would argue um, is if everyone you're talking to within your network and circle says, wow, that's a great idea, no one's pushing back saying, have you thought about something, expand your circle. Mm -hmm. We we need some people who care about us enough Mm -hmm. to tell us when we're wrong, (laughs) right? And we need to be able to listen to that in a way, constructively, right? Right. We're not just doing that. But if everyone's saying, I'm going to open this, and they say, this is great, Will, when are you going to do this? Everything's fantastic. Just let me know. I'll be there. You know those <laughs> sorts of things um, until you ask for money. But right, but right, but right. you have to have to just try to poke holes in your idea. That positive feedback is great, but it's the constructive feedback that makes us better. And so we need some balance uh, in there uh, as well. And I think that that's incredibly important. So what would you recommend for investors who are looking to make investments in social entrepreneurship? So so I would say for those looking to make these investments, uh, there is no better time than the present. Um, Wherever we're going, wherever I'm speaking or or, or going to, we find this this question of impact investing uh, and social entrepreneurship is just really thriving. And so you have to figure out one, how much money are you willing to lose and can survive, right? You just don't want to bet the farm on a particular investment. Uh, and again, there are investment clubs and, and social activities and things where you can start to put some knowledge together. Uh, there are vehicles like Benefit Chicago where you can sort of rely on some expertise of others as you place your investments in there. Uh, but I think be active and, and be creative. Uh, if you're fortunate to have um, a significant amount or additional dollars, you can always go like to the Chicago Community Trust and set up what they call a donor advised fund. That gives you a certain tax break on the monies that you're putting into the donor advised fund. And then you can either grant those dollars out uh, uh, to businesses or invest in social entrepreneurs through the trust that then will allow those dollars to grow and come back to further fund your granting and obligations and philanthropic um, activities that you and your family want to set up. So there's multiple ways to do it. Uh, again, like anything, I would uh, say, particularly as a professor, 
do your research, <laughs> right? And do more than one source, right? Mm-hmm. Just don't go to one source and say, I've done some research and this is great, but look for the competing sources and things to try to get the full breadth of what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. You don't just go to Fox News and hear the story. <laughs> you got to go to Fox, you got to go to NBC, you got to go to, you know, these mm-hmm. things. And then you're think in a better position to make your own conclusion on what you want to do and not rely on a single source to guide you. So are there any differences that you found in investing in social enterprises as opposed to traditional businesses? So I think in an ideal world, there shouldn't be, right, that we are looking to get a return. We should be making sure that our dollars are having a positive impact on either some societal challenge or, you know, environment or otherwise. Uh, And so to me, there shouldn't be a, a, a slight difference. A good business is a good business. Right, and right. what the research will show is those businesses that look more like the societal sort of trends we're seeing today that they're concerned about employee payment, they're concerned about uh, equal rights and uh, uh, women balance and leadership and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Those companies tend to do better than those businesses that are not concerned about those issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, we know that that's sort of continuing. And so, I would argue uh, that in an ideal situation, there shouldn't be a difference between investing in a for-profit business that's purely for-profit, because again, as we stated, all investments have an impact. Uh, and in those businesses that are trying to strike a balance. Uh, and so my hope is as this continues to evolve, again, we won't, you won't invite me back to talk about impact investing, you'll invite me back to talk about investing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that investing within the DNA of that conversation, we would be talking about the benefits that the business is having, its local hiring and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we see, um, uh, society is demanding uh, these businesses is sort of get their act together, right? When you see a contractor that's doing some work for Facebook uh, uh, blurt out that somehow I, I'm reviewing things that I don't feel comfortable with, somehow they're secretly recording your conversation, mm-hmm. right? That's this notion that society says, well, this isn't right, right. but this business is doing something that's wrong. And so getting that stuff out into the public is a way to signal to the public that, hey, maybe this business isn't in line with what we think uh, mm-hmm. is, is the right thing to do. And we're starting to see that. And, I'm, you know, Facebook's probably an easy one to pick on. Uh, but we where employees have, have risen up to bring stuff public that we in society wouldn't have known without their help. Uh, and I think we'll continue to see that trend uh, go forward as the Generation Z and even after that, Generation <laughs> AA um, is, is looking for more meaningful work, even over profit. And, and so we think that trend will continue. Oh, I love it. I, I was about to ask you if that was generational, because I, I know when I started working, you know, people you know, didn't want to be the whistleblower. They were afraid to speak out. So, so I, I think it is generational. I mean, as, as, as my grandfather would have said, he has passed. But when I was younger, he would say, no, Will, you're going to be all right. You get one of those good white jobs, you know, you're going to be okay, you know, don't worry about you, you'll be good. But this was sort of the mentality growing up then. My kids don't have that mentality. They think they can, and rightfully so, be just about anything they want to be and don't somehow see that them being black females at this current stage is limiting them to society at some point. Um, and they may change that attitude, but right now at 12 and 11, you know, I'm content and happy that they feel, you know, they can do and be whatever they want to be. And they're also, at that young age, 
concerned about things I had no idea to be concerned about. You know, mm-hmm. I, my daughter walks around with a metal straw because she wants to save turtles. You know, that kind of stuff. We didn't, do, we didn't think about turtles when I was 12, you know, or that somehow straws were hurting us. Uh, but they're equipped with more information now than what we had as kids. And we hope that they continue to sort of drive that into the business place, uh, into their consumerism and things that, again, help guide these larger businesses and corporations uh, to make better decisions. Okay. So finally, we want to talk about SCA. That is the Social Enterprise Alliance. They're going to be having an event, Summit 19, and you're one of the headliners. Can you tell us a little bit about the summit and some of the stuff you'll be sharing? Yeah, no, and I, I, I think it's fantastic, the Summit 19. Uh, I will be joined there by you. You'll be there as well. I want to make sure we get that out there. Uh, but the Social Enterprise Alliance, uh, Summit is their annual national gathering of social enterprises. Um, it will offer capacity building workshops, informational panels, and just tons of networking. So again, this is a good place to be if you're interested sort of in this space in, in Chicago where it's being hosted this year. So I'm participating on a panel called Capital Lessons for Funders. Uh, and this will be a discussion where we'll be joined by uh, BBVA and RSF, uh, Social Finance, and uh, Stand Together Foundation. And we'll be sharing some of our experiences, uh, our tips on how to find financing, uh, on how to present financing, and and sort of how to talk about uh, a social enterprise. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think often what we find is, depending on what people think you're interested in, they lean more heavily on that. Mm -hmm. And so they say, okay, well, this will has got a soft heart, so we're going to pitch him more on the social aspect and less on the business. So this person seems to be a finance person. So we're going to pitch them more on the numbers and really talking about how do you get the balance, mm-hmm. right? I mean, these, these investments are really about the hearts and mind, mm-hmm. right? And not just one or the other. And so it should be a great time. Uh, if you're in Chicago or, or be in Chicago around that time, you should please come by uh, again, a lot of energy uh, and activity there. And we're hoping uh, to get a good turnout and inspire and encourage the next group of entrepreneurs, the next group of social investors, uh, and the next, uh, you know, leading edge uh, nonprofit and, and for-profit businesses. Oh, and the date. That is a good question. Okay. And I'm going to, uh, it's slipping my mind right now, uh, but I will make so, sure to get that information to you. September 10th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, I think. Let me go to my um, But again, I think it's it's a phenomenal time uh, here to really just sort of get engaged with businesses and individuals who are in, in that space. And I think learn lessons learned and, and stories on, on how that's happened. You are correct. So it is the 9th, 10th, and 11th in September. So that's the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of September uh, 9th, 10th, and 11th. Right. And the thing that helped me to remember was 9-11. I always remember 9-11. That's not bad. This is not going to be a, tra- <laughs> a tragic event, but I just always remember 9-11. And um, people should know that we're going to be at the Radisson, the Blue Aqua Radisson, 221 North Columbus Drive. Yes. Yeah. So thank you so much. I I have really enjoyed myself. Every time I talk to Will, whether he knows it or not, I always learn something. I I feel like he cuts my throat. 
uh, he cuts my head open and pours it out. And I, I just thank you so much. So we have come to the end of our show. And I'd like to thank Dr. William Towns, Executive Director of Benefit Chicago and Adjunct Lecturer of Social Impact at the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University for being our guest. Dr. Towns, would you care to share any parting thoughts and tell our listening audience how they can get in touch with you? Uh, one, I just again want to thank you for this opportunity to speak with their audience and, and really what I'm hoping to, to translate through the uh, digital airwaves here is we can have impact on our community, that we can drive change, that we have the capacity, the, the intellectual might uh, and innovative and creativity to change our neighborhoods, mm-hmm. right? And part of this is we do need capital to sort of do this. And part of what I'm trying to do is ensure that there's some capital available to help some of these businesses sort of move forward. Is the idea and the notion that we can move forward, and so I'm just excited uh, to be here, honored uh, to speak with you and and your audience. If anyone would like any additional information about Benefit Chicago, uh, we're at benefitchicago.org. Uh, there you can find information about the Benefit Chicago Fund and the work that we're doing there. Uh, you can also email us if you've got any questions or concerns or information about that. Um, my uh, email uh, is wtowns, that's W-T-O-W-N-S, at BenefitChicago.org. Um, again, feel free to go to the website or email me directly. Uh, I will try to get back to you as soon as I can or someone from my team. But, again, I'm just honored to be here. Hopefully you found uh, this session informative. And I just say keep up the fight, keep moving. Okay, great. So I'd like to thank you for listening to today's episode of Nonprofit Utopia. I encourage you to go to iTunes and leave a review, and we've included instructions in the comment section to guide you through that process. And make sure you join us next week for another lively episode of Nonprofit Utopia. Our guest will be Phil LaDuke. He's an expert in business improvement and workplace safety, which I think is pretty critical right about now. And you can sign up for a reminder right on this episode page. So until next week, you take care. And I think Will has given us a lot of homework. He didn't give us assignments, but if you were listening carefully, he, he gave us a lot of things that we could start so we can take our businesses to the next level. All righty. So you guys take care. Bye-bye.